long ago, the world was full of magic. Over time, magic faded away. But I hope there's a little magic left in you. It's from your dad. This brings him back. Dad? We've only got 24 hours to bring the rest of him back. Put in an O for Onward! Get him! Whatever it takes, I am going to meet my dad. Welcome back, Oscar fans. This is Jake. I'm excited to start talking about one of the first true Oscar contenders of 2020 today. TJ and his wife, Julie, operate the Pixar Post podcast and website with reviews and discussions of Pixar, an active fan forum. It's the place to go for all things Pixar, and TJ was kind enough to join me today. TJ, how are you? I am excellent, and any time that I can get in front of a microphone or an individual and talk about Pixar, I am all for it. So I appreciated the opportunity and the invite, and I'm excited to chat. Well, I know it was a busy week for you. Onward is officially out. We're having this conversation, obviously, pegged to the release of the 22nd Pixar feature. It hit theaters this weekend, and I guess that is the place to start. You know, last night I was scheduled to record a James Bond episode to put out about a month from now. Those plans obviously changed. Do you have a sense? I know you spent time with the directors this week. What do you think went into Disney's decision to move forward with this release? Yes, as far as the the coronavirus, I mean, obviously it's one of these things that Disney has a very heavy slate of films. Now, I'm not saying this from the Pixar or the director's perspective. I didn't actually ask that question when I was uh, talking or discussing anything with them. Um, but uh, I believe it is probably because they have a very deep uh, lineup of movies and they have another one coming in June called Soul. And I feel like if they get too backed up, they're going to start uh, overlaying each other or maybe a little too much. So I feel like as far as from the coronavirus, it's one of these things that Disney's like, we got a, we got a lot of films backed up here. We got to keep things moving. Obviously, if things become problematic within in the United States at a larger level, um, things may happen. But what I'm guessing is that, and again, total speculation, that they're thinking that at this point, it is not something where people are shutting down major cities like in other countries. Um, I have heard that overseas there are some delayed release dates for Onward. Okay. Um, but I think within the United States, I think it's probably just, frankly, uh, they feel like it probably hasn't taken enough of a foothold to, to get ahead of it yet. Which is interesting because you've got people like Facebook and Google that are canceling large forums that are in May at this point. But we shall see. So this is an Oscar show first and foremost, and Pixar has dominated the Oscars. Over their first 21 feature movies, Pixar has 50 nominations and 16 wins. The best animated feature category was basically invented because of Pixar. We'll get into your passion for Pixar and, and kind of what, or what drove you to create the website. But broadly speaking, why do you think Pixar has been so dominant when it comes to the Oscars? You know, when you first asked the question, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pause because it's almost like it feels like the answer is easy in the sense that they kind of recreated the genre of animation by not only moving it to a computer animated full length feature element, uh, but then also the stories that they told became so unique. I mean, like you already alluded to, the reason that that best animated feature category exists is more than likely because of the 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 groundswell that they created with Toy Story and A Bug's Life and you know Toy Story 2 and so on and so forth. Um, so I think it really comes down to 
the quality of the film, how far they continually push themselves, and the way that they can take characters and make them emotionally resonate with people. I mean, I remember all the way back from when I was in high school, the first Toy Story was out. And I was in a film class at the time. And in the class, the teacher was like, his mind was blown. He was talking about how he can't even believe how much he truly cared for these fake figures and how they made him root, they made him root for him and they made him cry and they made him do all these other things. And I felt exactly the same way. And it's been one of those things that I feel like uh, they've, they've pushed the envelope a lot of times they've tried really creative, non-standard ideas, and I think that's what led to the domination of the, the Oscars, especially within that Best Animated Feature category. Now, we're certainly seeing a shift in that over time as additional competitors with really strong stories and strong studios come in, but you've got, as you know, many years from Finding Nemo all the way up through Coco, basically, or Inside Out, that they were... Yeah, I'll say through Brave that they were just winning every year, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like there's this, what you alluded to, the storytelling, kind of these more complex moral and, and narrative architectures that they use relative to, let's say, Disney. Because obviously, movies like Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid and The Lion King, you know, these have been largely respected movies of their time. But there was something, I think, that appealed more to adults when Pixar started making, I mean, really, Toy Story kind of I think it was just a different kind of a movie well I think there was something to the fact that you know like a lot of the early Disney films were adaptations of classic fairy tales or novels Mm. and the style that they did it with the the singing and the you know the what do you want song at the beginning and the format became a format that was marketed and and attracted to kids when Pixar came around and started making films, they always said uh, the original filmmakers at that studio, John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, uh, Lee Unkridge, they said they were never making films that were marketed in their mind towards kids. They were making films that they themselves wanted to see, and it just happened to be that people market animation towards a younger audience, but it was never <laughs> intended to, to necessarily be something geared towards kids or anything like that. So you're right. I think it appeals more towards adults because it was a universal uh, storytelling that everybody could connect with. It, it shook the foundation also with taking away some of the musical elements of it. Has there ever been a desire to make a more traditional Disney type of, of music film within the context of, of Pixar? Or do they kind of, I don't know, if are there like guardrails that don't, don't, that doesn't fit into for them? Yeah, it's interesting. So Coco was actually the closest one to a musical that exists today. Yeah. Um, Soul is going to be uh, based on jazz music and a lot less. It's not going to be musical in the sense that the characters themselves are not going to be telling a story through song. They're going to be playing music at jazz bars and clubs, telling the, the history of jazz music from New Orleans all the way up to the jazz club that it's based out of in New York. Um, But Coco, when it actually started, Lee Unkridge had said that uh, it was almost entirely a musical. And over time, as they continued to tweak the story, it just became uh, something that the musical elements supported it. Like the characters are singing, 
you know, Remember Me and, you know, the Un Poco Loco and those songs that people might be familiar with in that. But they don't really tell the story in the same way a musical does, uh, where it's actually getting plot points out. Um, so Coco was intended to be that way. Outside of that, I haven't heard anything else that was geared or intended to be a musical. So I don't think the guardrails exist. I think it's just kind of how they've they've done it. So before we get into, you know, talking about Soul and kind of talking about the the future of Pixar, because I'm, I'm interested in, you know, uh, an entity that's had such a massive impact on the Academy Awards, sort of what we can expect for them moving forward. But I do want to pause first and just kind of talk about you and your wife's passion for Pixar and, and obviously this kind of empire that you've built with forums and, and fans. And do you want to just talk a little bit about kind of what appeals to you so much and, and kind of how it resonates with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and well, thank you for the compliments. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would classify it at the empire level, but I <laughs> but I love hearing it. So, <laughs> so I hey man, we're all we're all trying to build something. <laughs> absolutely. Um, it started uh, just as a my wife and I wanted to be more creative. It was my wife's idea. She said, "I want to write. I want to be more creative." And, and we tell this. The, these types of stories all the time to people because I used to own a photography business as well. And whenever I would do like a senior portrait session, I would start talking to kids as I would be, you know, taking pictures. And I would just say, you know, what do you want to do? And they'd always say, I don't know. And I'm like, well, just do do something, do anything, get it out there. Even if you're not sure which direction it's going to take you, just do it. So we've kind of have been talking about that for a long time. And Julie was like, I want to do something <laughs> more creative. So I was like, okay, well, let's, uh, let's think about it. She's, she said she wanted to do a Disney website. There's a lot of them out there. Um, and she said, I surveyed the landscape. Pixar is not quite as hefty in terms of the number of websites that are out there. So I think we should do something there. Uh, it just really turned into, even before we had the website, we were going to see these movies on the midnight showings before they came out. And it all stemmed from our passion for animation. We had that as a base. When Pixar came around, I already alluded to the seeing Toy Story when I was in high school. It changed everything for me. I went and bought the soundtrack that night uh, after I got out of the theater. I just felt like as much as I loved animation and I didn't know I could love it anymore that this company did something different, so monumental, that made me say, sit up and say, I, I love this. We were writing letters to the artists after the movies were coming out, even before we had our website. So when Julie had this idea, it was a natural extension, and we just went for it. And luckily, uh, we made connections with the right people, and we were persistent enough that uh, we wanted to to continue to find ways to share our passion for Pixar and help people understand whether they're looking to get into the industry or whether they just have a passion for art or animation. We were like, you know, there's got to be a better way to connect with these artists. So we have, you know, like you already alluded to, uh, we have our website, we have a forum, we have a podcast where we just want to share this information out. And selfishly, it helps us get closer to the art and in the meantime helps our fans and listeners get a little closer as well you know toy story 4 just won best animated feature some of the narrative around that win as the end of an era in a certain way it's obviously the final pixar film with any type of credit for john lasseter you know onward is out this weekend 
Do you see this at all as a moment in time that represents the beginning of, of anything new? Uh, that's an interesting question. It is and it isn't. Obviously, with Pete Docter taking over as chief creative officer of Pixar and John Lasseter's exit of the studio, uh, there is a natural shift that's going to happen. From the onward perspective, it was still greenlit when John was there. Um, there were still some early meetings that John had been involved with. And in fact, some of the other films that are in development were still greenlit. Uh, but what you're definitely seeing is that the original cast of characters, if you will, between John, Pete, Andrew Stanton, they themselves are in this position now where they're like, we can't continue to produce this at the level and at the speed that we want to anymore because of the size of the studio and how it's grown. So the they are rising up the talent that is going to take that next reign. And for the first time, I feel like it's really the the next several films hitting after soul are a lot of names that people have are, may not be as familiar with it's not you're not going to see lee unkridge because he's left the studio andrew stanton is i you know in fact he's been very quiet i, I believe he's helping with a couple different projects but we don't know 100 percent which direction he's going in but it i feel like it is from the external standpoint from the audience perspective Onward, you're right, is that tipping point where the people that are the audience, the viewers at the, of these movies are going to start to see a big difference. And I think you're going to actually start to see a big uptick in the number of best animated feature wins that Pixar is going to be getting as well because of the influx of originals and heart and passion that these stories are bringing. So as I think about sort of the the range of the poignancy and depth of the themes, like with maybe the good dinosaur being one end of the spectrum, Pete Doctor's films, I feel like, tend to be way at the top end of that. If I think about Up, if I think about Inside Out, do you think that with him taking over, I don't know if this is part of what you're alluding to, but do you do you see kind of a move toward sophisticated narration, maybe kind of emotional, a little bit heavier emotional emotional themes, or it's just kind of the influx of, of new talent that you think might drive kind of a successful wave? I think it's I think it's twofold. So yes, I think they have done a lot of the right things to rise the right talent that knows how to tell those stories. But you're right in the sense that, that Pete Doctor definitely is dialed in to the emotional element. And I think that he does know how to pressure people uh, or push them in the right direction. I shouldn't say pressure, but push them in the right direction as far as to, to help them pull out the best elements of their story. Because inevitably, every storyteller hits roadblocks. And that's what a leadership and the brain trust that Pixar has, which... The brain trust, in case anybody listening is not 100% sure what that is, uh, is essentially a, a grouping of their senior creative people, as well as potentially even some external people that they bring in on a quarterly basis to run through all their movies and see where they're at from a story perspective. It could be they're viewing something in a hand-drawn storyboarded format or it could just be script based it could still be idea based they run through the gamut of what they have uh, and they're continually trying to to manipulate and move and find the best connection to those but pixar is a storytelling studio that is director driven so whereas a lot of movie studios might solicit an outside idea or they purchase an idea and run with it 
if you're going to direct the Pixar movie, you have to be the one that originated the idea as well. Hmm. And they encourage people to bring really personal, emotional stories to the forefront, which obviously Onward is one of the most personal stories that's out there with Dan Scanlon, uh, the director of that, telling a story of his father passing away at a very young age and how he grew up wondering things about his dad. So I think the next wave of movies that we're going to see are going to continue to touch on that emotional cord, uh, like Pixar always seems to do, even if it's about a robot or a rat cooking in a kitchen. But I think it's going to be a a great wave, and I think that in a way, Pete Docter stepping in is one of the smartest moves they could have done, because he's extremely thoughtful, and like you mentioned, a lot of his films, for a lot of people, rise right to the top of their lists, because they have that intangible emotional connection that everybody can relate to. How how do you feel that Onward does kind of in the in conversation with the films that have come before it? What was your experience with with the movie itself? Ooh, that's a tricky one because being so close to it and knowing so much about the making of it, it's one of those things that as you study it, you start to understand more of the reasons of why things happened. The thing that it makes me scratch my head a little bit with Onward is that everybody says it's a good movie and they don't necessarily list a lot of reasons why they don't like it. They just say there's something about it. So I don't know that people have found a way to uh, to verbalize why they don't, but it's interesting that there's even this undertone that's out there because it's, you know, from a critic standpoint, 84 or 89 on Rotten Tomatoes. The user reviews are extremely high, and I will tell you from my personal, the way my heart feels about it, the way my laughter and emotions feel about it, I enjoyed the film a lot. It's one of those things that uh, obviously films are personal and everybody connects to different ones at different levels, but there's there's a ton of humor in this. There's heart beyond belief. <laughs> I can't even believe how emotional the ending was. And it's, a, it's just a fun movie. I think it really did balance a lot of things for me. And one of the highest things that I rate a movie on is replayability. I'm not interested in a movie that I'm going to want to watch one time and feel like I never need to see it again. And Onward is one of those movies that, to me, has a really high replayability because you can have it on, it can be fun. It, you can have it on and it continue, continue to be emotional. So I feel like as time goes on and as more people see it and as more of the reviews come out, some of those initial ones where people were not really vocalizing what they didn't like about it in some weird way are going to level out. And I think it'll be a movie in that 90 to 92% range if you're going to talk about like uh, an overall average, I guess. The one criticism that I've read, the theme that I seem to see, is people who feel like the story is really genuine, but there's some sort of corporate touch that you can feel that it's been somehow made a product a little bit. I don't know if you felt that at all. No, from a from a criticism standpoint, you're right. I've heard a couple different things uh, along the lines of like, so one of the specific criticisms was, you know, magic is something that's hard. And Ian, one of the main characters, seems to learn it relatively easily. Now, after a couple watches, because I've seen it three times, I'm going to see it a- another time over this weekend, I understand it a little bit better now that I've seen it more. 
he has this real passion and this real reason, and he was born with the gift, and they describe the gift and all these other things. So that was one of the criticisms from a manufactured or corporate standpoint. You know, you had mentioned, you know, does it have that touch? And I've, I read a couple of reviews that talked about that as well, that it, this didn't necessarily need to be a world of magic. It almost feels like it was manufactured in order to make the story conveniently happen. And, and that's true to some sense, because Dan Scanlon said, we, we wanted to find a way that the brothers could bring back their dad, and magic was the way to make that happen. So yes, they built the story around magic, moving it that direction to supplant the story to continue to make it grow. But I didn't feel like it was corporatized for anything, because I mean, realistically, there's not a ton of toys that are going to be coming out for this movie. There's not a large extension of products like a Toy Story or a Cars that are going to come from this. So I don't know that it... I wouldn't say it would be from a corporate standpoint. I feel like it was the method that allowed the story to be told the best. And uh, I did hear other people say, like, the, um, you know, that there's no explanation as far as why they are elves. And you know, I kind of felt like that was maybe a little heavily critical, too, because there's no reason that you need to describe that they're elves. You can see that they're elves, and the world is described that they're in a magical world. So I don't know. I... I I, I can see where some of those comments are coming from, but after a couple watch-throughs, they kind of resolved themselves for me. Yeah, I think a long pontification on why somebody is an elf probably wouldn't make for the most entertaining movie. How do you evaluate sort of the story, which is a lot of what we've talked about, versus, you know, I think of Monsters, Inc. with the fur and kind of just the accomplishment of however million strands of fur, kind of these animative or these animation more technical breakthroughs. Yep. Is there anything like that, or, or, or I guess, how did you evaluate onward through that lens, and then just in general, where do you weigh that in versus, versus story when you're watching Pixar movies? That's that's inter- interesting because they were asked, you know, were there technical achievements in this one that uh, they had to overcome because it felt like in almost every other movie there was some type of technical thing that they were advancing or trying to figure out. And they had those challenges on Coco, and they had them on Incredibles 2 even, as they were almost trying to back off some of the advances that they had made in order to not make it feel so different from the Incredibles. Toy Story 4, it didn't have too many of those technical advances. And then also with Onward, it didn't have too many of the technical advances. It was really more about the struggle of the story and how they felt they needed to... They always had the ending in mind. Now they had to figure out how they could make this an interesting quest. Sure, there was different things with the the magic in how they, they did that with special effects and how do you make a blue-toned character look appealing and not maybe in the afterlife... <laughs> Um, so there were there were definite challenges that they had to figure out from an art standpoint and from a story standpoint, but the technical challenges are becoming more and more interesting because the computer and their software that they've created can do so much now that they're finding that they're not having as many of those technical quirks that they were having in the past like you mentioned with sully or you know whatever else it might be how the how the paint looks off of cars and all these other things so it's it's going to be interesting to see how the movies because i think without those technical things people are going to continue to push back on their mantra of story is king and focusing solely on that you you kind of spoke to the fact that there's a heavy slate this year and they slotted onward 
early in the year, and then Soul is it's not an Oscar season release, but but it's later in the summer. What are you expecting from Soul? Uh, Soul is going to be <clears throat> one that Pixar is going to lean on heavily as far as uh, they feel that, uh, and again, from what I've seen, this is not a didactic response from what they've said to me or anything like that, but from what I've seen, they're going to lie on this one, lean on it heavily because it has a ton of emotion because it really has a good story to tell about pursuing passions. And it also has some historical background in there that they're going to uncover with jazz music, which has such a rich history as well, which is another one of those things that as you talk about, you know, how it appeals to adults and children, I think adults might rely on that a little bit more. They've got a uh, a very strong, much like in the same way they marketed Coco of a heavy Latin or Latino actor cast. This is a heavy African-American cast. Uh, I feel like it It also is by Pete Docter, co-written and co-directed by Kemp Powers. Uh, so I think you've got these emotional tent poles that Pete Docter is going to bring mixed in with some of the historic elements of jazz. You've got the metaphysical world of where are we before we're born. Uh, there's all these different things that uh, Onward being released earlier in the year. It's an interesting release schedule. Onward is the first Pixar movie that's come out in March. They have all been released in either a June or a November time frame. So this is a first for them in that aspect too. I was interested why it wasn't a standard June and November release that they normally would do. I wonder if they're looking at Ryan the Last Dragon from Disney and factoring that into the equation now? You know, you're right. It probably is that as well because they've got so many movies under their uh, umbrella now between Disney, Pixar, (laughs) Marvel. They've got all these different properties that they don't want to step on each other's toes, so it probably makes sense that the release dates start to spread out and change over time as well. Well, I am really looking forward to Soul. I rewatched just the first 11 minutes of Up on the Bus Ride Home from work today, and it really is 11 of the best minutes of the history of cinema. I'm glad that I'm glad that you think that because, yeah, I mean, it is. It's uh, it's strong and powerful stuff that uh, I don't understand how they can tell that succinct of a story in that amount of time frame that you go from high emotion to low emotion to everything in between in that, in that period, all punctuated with a, a wonderful waltz that was created by Michael Giacchino from a musical standpoint. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Well, I think the last thing that I wanted to cover, you know, I, I mentioned, I rounded up some Oscar stats at the beginning, but they were actually incomplete. Pixar's won an additional six Oscars for animated shorts. And They've obviously kicked off now this Spark Shorts program. Kipple uh, was nominated this past year. Another movie they made, Pearl, was was ignored. Um, they have a movie out early this year called Loop that has, has been really well received. But I think back to Piper and, and Lou and some of the movies that were almost kind of like cakewalks to the Oscars. Do you feel like with the Spark Shorts program, Pixar is going to be a larger or a smaller presence moving forward um, as far as the animated shorts? That's a great question and one that a lot of people have talked about. So I think that from a uh, from an Oscar perspective, they might be putting themselves in a tougher position because you're correct when you're thinking about Piper or Lou or whatever it might be. 
that were the large scale in front of their feature film releases, they put a lot of time, they put a lot of budget behind those. And therefore, it was doing one of those things that it was kind of making that big statement. And it was in a way hard for some of the smaller studios to compete with this massive production that was a great story with high-end animation and graphics that went along with it. With the Sparks Shorts program, they're actually probably pausing a little bit in terms of the Oscar perspective because they want to find it's their it's their now breeding ground or consider it almost even like the minor leagues. I don't want to say that, but like the minor leagues of of building these short films instead of doing one short film that has a ton of pressure on it to perform well with a big budget they're going to do four five six a year that have a small budget in a very short time frame in order to see who those key talent are in their organization that they can rise up faster in order to start doing that next round of the feature films So it's almost like they might forego some of those Oscar nominations or wins in the short film category, but they're doing it to hopefully bolster some of the larger uh, best animated feature films. That's interesting. And then I guess a nice little side effect is they get a pipeline of content for Disney Plus, which has been in short supply. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So it's another one of those things. You know, you mentioned that there was a a couple of them. They released three originally, and then they've had three more, um, you know, after the the first batch of Pearl, uh, Kitbull, and uh, Smash and Grab. They had Float, Wind, and Loop, which were out as well. So they're, they're trying to definitely not only bolster and find the talent but like you said fill that pipeline for disney plus which is a great thing it keeps bringing people back well i always think the animated categories are are among the most fun to to follow every oscar year and pixar is obviously the class of it so tj i appreciate the time coming on to to talk about it and share what you know absolutely i appreciate you listening and the interest and uh anytime (laughs) 